Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for this opportunity we've got today, Lord, to gather as your people and to hear from heaven. Just pray that every thought will be brought captive to the obedience of Christ, every ear open, every heart fertile to the living seed, the word, the life-giving word of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We've been looking at the last few weeks building off the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet, that amongst those disciples' feet were those disciples who would betray him, that lied about him, that had their own agendas. And Jesus washing their feet is representative of the way he dealt with us when we didn't deserve his goodness, didn't deserve his grace, didn't deserve his kindness, how that he comes along and and washes our feet, and then issues the greatest of all the commandments, which was a new commandment, a new, say new, a new commandment, that you love one another. And on this commandment, Jesus builds his church. If Peter was a rock of foundational knowledge of the gospel, love was the overriding atmosphere that the church would be built in. And we see, I'm glad he said it for the disciples' sake. By this men will know you, my disciples. Because at many levels, it's easy to love people we don't know. But it's very difficult to love people that we get close to, that we see their mistakes and weaknesses and shortcomings. And if we're going to be committed in a family, uh, we might feel like running away to the neighbor's but chances are they'll send us back to our family. But in the church, uh, we have to, as iron sharpens iron, um, there are times that we see that we neglected, or we see that we um, are disappointed. And interrelationally, uh, we, we see the flaws of, of leaders and flaws of others around us. And at times we feel abused in a church, and we, we feel we weren't... Uh, a kind of appreciated for something. And all these opportunities Jesus knew, and that's why he said, this is my new commandment. If you get all the other stuff right, but you don't get this right, you'll just be a clanging cymbal, a noisy gong. You are to love one another. But then he added, as I have loved you. And in 1 John we see that it's not that we love God, but that he loved us. This is not just another let's try harder sermon. This is a I've received the love of the Holy Spirit. I have received the love of God and Jesus. The width, the breadth, the height so that I could be conformed into the image of God in His love. I have all the love I need to love the worst. As Jesus loved you in your worst, you have the capacity of loving others at their worst. Come on. That's the good news. And we've looked over the past few weeks how that as Christians, we, 
we, we cut these records that go over and over, these stories we tell ourselves that go over and over and, and, and breed a sense of a critical spirit or an independent spirit, a, an orphan spirit. And, and we've categorized these in uh, three, we call them recording studios, but I want to change that today. And so they're actually record libraries. Because the way we cut the record is by the story we keep reinforcing. Oh, all leaders are like that. Oh, all those people are like that. Oh, all churches are like that. If I've told my story that all the church wants is my money, the first time I go to church, it takes up an offering, it reinforces my record. Amen? If I wasn't greeted in my last church by all the elders, and I come to a new church, and I keep telling myself that story, that they probably know something about me that's not true, and that's why they're not greeting me. And even the pastor, when he preaches, I know he's got me on his mind, because the things he says hit me in the heart, and he's being... If we keep playing those records over, we will keep attracting the thing that we're looking for. Can you say amen? We are always moving in the, dom- the direction of our dominant thoughts and the dominant records we're pr- playing in our minds. And that's why we have to stop and assess and say, where am I storing these records? And we've looked at, the first one we looked at was the, the library of, of pride. It was the, it's the place where we keep all our, uh, don't they know who I am? I'll do it my way. Nobody tells me what to do. I'm better than that person. I'm be- and, and the second library we looked at, what was that one? It was the library of, of jealousy and envy. It's where we keep all the records of, why do other people get recognized? Why don't I, I can do that better than them? Uh, that person at work that got the promotion, they should never have got, I, I should have got that promotion. And we learned that the answer to that is to be happy when other people succeed. To say, Lord, thank you for their blessing, and I declare more blessing over them. How we deal with the library of pride is, Lord, I am what I am by the grace of God. Nothing more and nothing else. And I'm not in competition with anybody else. They've got their path to walk, and you've created me with my path to walk. So I thank you for my path, and I thank you for their, and I bless them in their path. Whatever they achieve for you is a victory for me. And whatever I achieve for you is a victory for them. I'm not in competition with anybody. I'm serving the kingdom. You know, like we got taught as, in some of us in our early convert years to go and break all the records that were associated with our pasts because they had connotations attached to them. And we were taught that even music records are very dangerous because if you play them backwards, there are subliminal messages that will be... Did anyone ever hear that stuff? Remember that stuff? And then, and then I played some country and western records backwards and he got his car back he got his wife back he he he, he got his children back he got sober he, and then I played some Buddha music back backwards and and I, I learned some great uh course recipes you know now I'm just kidding but I mean so we were taught you know go break all the records and break. the records we should be breaking are the stories that are based in lie that we keep telling ourselves And the third one I want to get to this morning, and we're going to look at, is of these record libraries that need to be demolished, 
That's me on a Monday morning, all right? When the phone rings. Is the one of anger. Is I learned very quickly in my Christian life that Christians aren't perfect. When I first went to a church for the first time in my life, after I'd heard the gospel, I just assumed all the leaders were woken up by angels, slipped out of bed, floated across the floor as the angels slipped their clothes on and brushed it. They didn't have to brush their teeth because their mouths always smelled so beautiful. (laughs) Then I went to my first inter-Christian soccer festival. And I found out what really goes on. And if I mention some of the names to you, you'll know these pastors. They're very well-known pastors. I was gobsmacked. I was flabbergasted at the way how angry they got over a round piece of leather that wouldn't do what they wanted it to do. But the good news was that after the game, there was hugging and handshaking, and they remained friends. And I realized, you know, that getting cross is a human emotion. It's one of the emotions we're given, like, like fear and, and love and joy. Human emotions come to us because they're also there to protect us. And there are parts of anger that is righteous anger that is there to protect. You get angry when you see someone driving like a maniac and your kids are playing on the side of the road. But the scripture says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. So it's not the anger that's a problem. It's the record keeping and the rehearsing and the carrying on and on. Let anger, if it's righteous anger, work its work. But then we move on. It's like. I mean, I know you'd never think, Janet, and I could ever get angry. So here we are. The kids were small. And, I mean, that's the last time we had an argument. Kids were small. And we were shouting. I mean, we were just at fever pitch. I'm glad we weren't living in a block of flats. But, I mean, ah, the plates came like missiles down the passage. And I was using my invisible shield to block them. And anyway, we were just ranting and raving and voices got higher and higher. And then the phone rang and I picked it up and it was a very good pastor friend of mine. And it was amazing how quickly my mood changed. Wasn't that incredible? I mean, one moment I'm like veins bursting in my neck, beetroot face. The next minute, it's like, hey, how you, bro? Hey, yeah, long time. How? Trying to shut up, I'm on the phone. <laughs> Absolutely. Of course I can talk to you, man, pastor. And that's it, you see. We've got a lot more control over anger than we think we do. We think, oh, well, I'm just an angry person. You know, I get angry because this and that and you know, uh, road rage and uh, family rage and church rage and government rage. and uh, You know, it's like, I, I've got a right to my rage. But actually, you've got more control over it than you think. 
let me give you a little test this morning, okay? No prizes, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out some things, and you can rate yourself in your mind 1 to 10. Let's see who's got an anger problem, and I promise we won't call you up straight away. Okay, here they go. Just in your mind, they're not going to come up on the board. Just in your mind, rate yourself roughly. I'm going to go quickly. Lack of patience. Irritability and short temper. Others experience you as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Often ponder aggressive acts of violence. Spontaneous act out in violence without thinking of the consequences. Domestic violence. Aggressive driving and road rage. Break or destroy objects when you become angry and frustrated. Use violence and screaming to control others and force them to submit. Become easily frustrated with other people and the world around you. Frequently find yourself in a situation where you become confrontational and violent. Lose relationships. Refuse to accept that you have an anger issue that is out of control and requires help. Never feel satisfied with anything that you have and constantly blame those around you for other issues. Your spouse, kids, family members are afraid to talk to you because they feel like they're walking on eggshells. Verbal abuse includes tantrums, verbal rage, reactions, bullying, intimidation, brow beating. Have you been reprimanded, reprimanded in your workplace over anger? So how did you score? No prizes. Please don't put your hands up. It's like the, the marriage seminar that was taking place in the church and the guy giving the instructions was talking about Ephesians 4, husbands love your wives, wives, submit to your husbands, submit to one another. And at some point he stopped and he said, any of, of the husbands want to comment on what this scripture is saying? And one guy put his hand up and said, yeah, we've got to love our wives. Very good, very good. Uh, would any of the wives like to comment on what the scripture means? The wife put, it, put her hand up and said, thou shalt not murder. I mean, rage can fly high. It starts off with irritation, and it grows, and it develops. Keeping records of wrongs. There's a real anger problem out in the world today. As I was thinking about this topic and the records we play that we store in our pride library and the records we play that we store in our jealousy and envy, but there's a whole lot of records we keep playing that we can suppress our anger for a while, but it'll come out. So let's look at some of the causes Let's look at some causes. First of all, it can be because we protect the things that we love. And that can be healthy and unhealthy. 
Because the thing we love might be more about the way it makes us look than because we love it. Soon after this incident, no, it wasn't, it was years later, Janet and I, in the passage, I think that pastor phoned a counselor to get hold of us. We, we were sitting in marriage counseling. So Now, can you believe your pastors in the church go to marriage counseling? You should say, amen, that's good. Marriage counseling isn't for people with troubled marriages only, but for good marriages. All right? So we get talking, and it comes out that I'm a little bit ratty, a little bit grumpy, and can kind of fly off the hook. Now, growing up, I had a reputation, don't mess around with him too much, because if he loses his temper, and I quite like that reputation, only problem with it is it came with me. And when you became a Christian, guess what? You took yourself into your Christianity. And the renewing of the mind has to take place. Amazing, we were just looking at that topic recently, renewing of the mind. So anyway, so we're sitting there, and, and, and Janet says, no, you, you get angry if we in company and I cut in while someone else is talking. I said, of course I do. It's one of those, you know, do you have a trigger? Is there something that just triggers you? It's like one of those triggers. If we're sitting in a group and someone's talking, and my wife cuts in while they're talking midstream and changes the subject completely, I, I feel all the guns in the world going off inside of me. They just start exploding. So the counselor looked at me and said, you know what I think your problem is? Is that it's your ego. What? No, it's not because you love her. It's because you love yourself. Because when you first met her, it didn't matter. When you're on your first date and she did that to someone, you would have just gone, hey, cool, babe, you're so wonderful. But now because she represents you, instead of just enjoying her and letting the other person say, hang on, hang on, hang on, I was talking, you think you're the referee. And I said, am I paying for the session? But you see, it can so easily be just a, a kind of because our values have been rubbed the wrong way, an unhealthy love of self, which is ego, a learned way to get our way. You know, children learn behavior through throwing tantrums to get their own way. It can be very simply that. And we've all got values about things, about being on time. And if someone violates that, it brings that irritation that if we suppress it and we rehearse it, can actually become anger. You know, the first few times it's like, oh, you're a little bit late. Oh, late again. By the end, it's like, where the heck have you been? Uh, hello? Anybody? Oh, I'm talking to myself this morning. I'm getting therapy, okay? Just bear with me while I draw therapy, yeah. It's like the guy that gets on an airplane. And he says to the air hostess, please, I'm flying from Durban to Cape Town via East London. I'm very tired. I need to sleep. Please wake me up in East London. 
There is a flight that goes to Cape Town via East London. Jan, can we have this conversation after church? Just take that off the tape. I know you're an angel in disguise, but let's just... Okay, so, so the guy wakes up in Cape Town, and he's furious. And he calls the attendant over and says, what? I, I told you to wake me up in East London. Now you've let me all the way. And he shouted, and he performed, and got off the plane. And one of the other attendants came to her and said, wow, I've never seen anyone as angry as that before. And she said, you should have seen the guy that I put off in East London. (laughs) You know, life is full of opportunities to blow a fuse. I don't know what triggers you. But, you know, we often can, these things can be transference and inheritance even in the environment we live. You'll often see angry parents Behold, angry children spawn angry grandchildren. And it's something seriously that can be at such a level that it... Next point, I beg your pardon, it wasn't that point. But misplaced is where we get angry at work and then we keep that anger, we sleep on that anger, and we wonder why we're angry with the kids the next morning. That's called misplaced anger. Transference and inheritance is something that we can inherit and can become a stronghold in our life and needs to be dealt with through prayer and the power of the word. And often it's just, you know, my rights. When my rights have been violated and I feel, you know, it was my right to do this or that and people didn't take me seriously. And then, of course, there's the pride, ego, and self-image one where it wasn't so much the trigger that was causing the anger, but how I viewed myself in that situation. You know, we can even have an unhealthy love for our children. So everything I do in life is just for my children to make them look good. Really? Or is it like a little bit of ego in there of, if they look good, hey, I look good. It can be unhealthy. And then we overcommit ourselves, overextend ourselves, all because we think it's out of love for the object of our love, but really I want them to make me look good. Now, I'm not saying everyone who does things for the kids, that's the case. But sometimes the most unloving thing to do to a, a caterpillar is to cut the cocoon before the caterpillars develop the energy to break out itself. It's called tough love. Angels don't fly around cutting cocoons because the poor little caterpillar couldn't get out of the cocoon. But it needed to do that to develop its wings and strength. So sometimes the most loving thing isn't just giving, 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 my name is Jimmy. It's, Lord, how much is this about me and how much is this about you? Okay, it's getting quiet. Joke coming soon. I knew this was going to be a tough one, so I googled jokes on anger. Then finally, and 
take a little bit of a few minutes on this one. Another cause of anger are stories you tell yourself that arouse anger. Would you like to hear a few? Okay. Number one, fiction story in the library of anger. Number one, I should not have to be inconvenienced. Nonfiction, inconvenience is a part of life. Most of us experience this in the traffic. We have an agenda in our mind. We're going somewhere. And we can't bear the thought of being delayed or inhibited. I've got an appointment to go to. If they late, it goes on to the next one. It's a general sense of, I, I don't deserve to be inconvenienced. Who do they think they are? But the real story is, stuff happens. People get delayed. Cars break down. Inconvenience is a part of life. The next fiction is that I deserve to hold on to anger because of my past wounds. The non-fiction version is letting go of anger can help heal your old wounds. In fact, hanging on to it is very dangerous and very destructive. I read an anecdote of Abraham Lincoln in the, in the war, in the Civil War. One of his officers came and was furious with one of their associate officers. And Abraham Lincoln's advice to him was, write them a letter and don't hold back. Just let it all out. And the officer went away and wrote a letter and used profanity and, and threats. and Finished his letter, put it in the envelope, came back to Abraham Lincoln. who took it and read it and said, this is a very good letter. And the guy said, yes, I intend posting it. And Abraham Lincoln said, no, don't post it. Burn this one, because this one made you feel good. This one helped you deal with all your frustration. So that was the purpose of this letter. Now burn it and go and write another letter. Interesting. By not forgiving someone else, all we're doing is holding on to the poison ourselves. And they go off scot-free and don't even know that we're being poisoned. That's the worst part of it. Someone swerves in front of your traffic and you spend the rest of the day grumpy. They don't even know they swerved in front of you. They're having a happy day. You're having a sad day. Because we've got to learn to let go. Another fiction book is Life Should Be Fair. Well, the non-fiction version of that is sometimes life just isn't fair. Hello? But here's the thing. God is always fair, and God is always good. Life might not be fair. Fifthly, I sh shouldn't make mistakes. If I do, it shows that I'm weak, flawed, or ignorant. The non-fiction version of that is making mistakes is part of being human. Striving to do your best is very different from feeling compelled to be perfect. Striving to do your best is very different from being compelled to be perfect. And because of low esteem, low self-image, or just pure ego, 